Good morning, church. It's good to be with you guys today. We're excited to open the text into the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be looking at the first 13 verses in the Gospel of Mark. I want to remind you all that as we're going through this study in the Gospel of Mark, that one of our partners in ministry, Bridge Ministries, has some uh, gospel journals. It has the entire Gospel of Mark and then space inside of it to take notes. And so uh, they are a disciple-making ministry uh, who also happens to have some of the best coffee in Laredo. And so if you're looking for a tool to write some notes down as we go through this study, I encourage you to stop by Bridge Ministries sometime and uh, pick up one of these uh, Gospel of Marks and journals so we can follow along together. But we are excited to uh, begin this series. We're excited for uh, football tonight. Go Cowboys. I see the jerseys. Cowboys let me down every year, though, so I don't get as excited about them as I do about God. But, you know, I'm still hoping that, um, that they can continue to win my wife's affection. She's trying to, to sway us to root for other teams because she's like, why every year at the end of the year do the Cowboys let us down? But I haven't wavered since 78, and I'm not wavering now. So there was some glory in the past, and there will be glory to behold in the future. But we truly are excited to open up uh, the words of life, the gospel of Mark, and, and go through a long extended study. And even this morning, as we're going to look at 13 verses, we could see, we could slow this down more. There's so much to understand from God's word written to us. We're going to see the introduction to this gospel uh, in our study today. And we're going to see three things that prepared Jesus Christ for his ministry. Uh, John the Baptist coming before him to prepare the way. Jesus' baptism himself, and then Jesus' temptations and trials out in the desert. And as I'm thinking about the text that we're going to read today, it got me thinking about in, when we're being prepared, when we're going through anything in life where we're, we're enduring training or something's to come, there's, I think for all of us, the hope of a payoff. I'm going to put this work in. I'm going, to, I'm going to be faithful because we want blessings. We want good things to happen. In fact, when I read the Bible, I always have a lot of joy. I think as all of us do when we read the Old Testament and we see when God's people were happy and they were blessed and they were putting their trust in God. And then you, you feel the sadness of the times in the Old Testament when these people were far from God. And all of us in our marriage, in our parenting relationships, in our friendships, in our business, in our work, we want good things to happen. One of the uh, best pieces of advice everyone ever gave me on how to approach, you know, your work, how to approach our mindset every day is that, you know, every day we should take responsibility for the things that God puts in front of us. We should resist the passivity around us that's a temptation. We should lead courageously into what's ahead, and we should expect a reward, because we know that if we do not give up uh, doing good, the Bible tells us in Galatians that if we don't grow weary in doing good, that our Heavenly Father is going to reward us. And of course, beyond an earthly reward, we're looking for the Lord to say to us, well done. We know that he is faithful and good to bless us, and we're going to receive good things in him as we do not give up and we expect a reward. And so, you know, I can think of this preparatory phase often as a parent 
with young sons. I'm trying to put a lot of good opportunities in front of them, uh, different experiences where I have no idea their future. I have no idea what's going to be their ministry or their calling or their work or their families. But I know that as a dad, I just want to do the best I can to give them different experiences and a lot of love and a lot of care to build them up for whatever God has ahead that, that I don't know about. And sometimes that's just caring for them. My son Silas was a little bit sick this week, and so there was a lot of nights that he found his way into our bedroom because he wasn't feeling very well and uh, just wanted to cuddle up. And he's still pretty small. He's two, so it's not that big of a deal. But of course, if his brother knows that his, his other brother's gone, then my four-year-old wants to come in too. And so, you know, for me, like last night, I had two boys on top of me for most of the night and, uh, you know, feeling a little tired. I'm like, the only reward I'm looking forward to is a nap, right? So sometimes we, we want some short-term rewards, but we know that ultimately as we look to the life of Christ and we look to the life that we're living in him, that God prepared Jesus for his kingdom and he's prepared us for his kingdom. And there's so much that we can take away from the gospel of Mark. And so I pray that as we read these words together, that we get a very long-term perspective of what God is, is holding for us um, as we read this gospel today. So I want to read it together. I think it's a great way to start off. I invite you to turn Mark chapter 1, verse 1, and out loud, we'll do the best we can to just read through these 13 verses to begin to put them into our mind, to put them into our heart, and then I'll go through and we'll start talking about them one by one. So Mark chapter 1, verse 1, John the Baptist prepares the way. Here we go. Y'all ready? Oh, that was not convincing at all. That was, we're doomed for failure. All right, dismissed. All right, y'all ready? All right, good. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea, and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, stay with me. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, and with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. I heard y'all grow quiet. I hope it's because you were just preparing your hearts to receive God's word. Oh, okay. Well, sorry, that's past. We're moving on now. All right. Get some practice next week, but that's okay. We're going to continue to have the, the verses up in front of us. So let's go back uh, to verse one, if we can. 
There we go. All right, so we're going to begin to talk about this one by one, and now I feel better why, why I got quiet, but I think, our hearts, I think our hearts are prepared for this text. So it's great to note that right in this first verse, Mark tells us the purpose of why we're receiving this letter, why we're receiving these instructions. And he says, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is the introduction to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he's sharing the good news, the gospel. That's what the gospel means, good news. You know, most days, if at some point when our boys are finally asleep and there's a moment of quiet, my wife and I try to just catch up on each other's day and give updates as to what happened. And a lot of times that's just the normal stuff of life. Every once in a while there's something kind of exciting. And then every really once in a while there's something one of us is really excited to share. You know, some really, really great news. And what's so cool about this letter that we're reading from one of the apostles written to us is that this is one of those moments where it's the best news, like the greatest news you could ever hear, you could ever share. Because though I could be sad, though I could be depressed, though I could be sinful, though I could be angry, though I could be so many things that are not of God, God himself put on flesh and came down to reach his hand towards me, to save me, to say, I want to give you life. I want to give you hope. I want to put truth in your heart, and you're never alone. The best news that we are messengers of, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in verse 2, after introducing that this is about the greatest news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, he begins to connect this back to all the passages in the Old Testament. And Mark, in the only place that he does so, quotes from the Old Testament. Jesus later on is going to be quoted referencing Old Testament scriptures. But in Mark's specific writings, this is the only place where he's going to go back to the Old Testament. And he quotes an old, the Old Testament in verse 2. And he says in verse 2, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. I is God the Father, the messenger is John the Baptist, and your is Jesus Christ. So we're told that the Father has sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for the Lord, which has parallels and, and, and quotes back to Malachi verse 3.1 and Isaiah 43. And verse 3 begins to describe this ministry of John the Baptist, that he's going to be a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. These Old Testament scriptures perfectly link all of God's teaching, all of God's voice from the beginning of the creation of this earth, that we need a Messiah, and then a Messiah would come, and that before the Messiah came, that one would come before him, and what we're about to read today about John the Baptist is a fulfillment of sermons that people would have heard about one that was going to come before Jesus and Jesus that was going to be to come, and now in their life, they're watching it unfold before their eyes. How unbelievable that must have been with the people coming and seeing John the Baptist and hearing the message he's saying and being baptized and the spirit that was moving all this to happen. And I want to draw different points to ponder as we move through this text. And I think this is a moment to pause and ponder some things that we know. We know 
uh, in the 21st century Christians that we're promised that Jesus is coming again. He's going to have a second coming because he told us, I'm coming back. And we read in Revelation, there's going to be no more sin and no more shame. And he's coming back for all of us. And this world as we know it is going to end and it will pass away and we will live in an eternity forever under his perfect rule and reign. In Jerusalem today, Israelites and Jews still go daily by the thousands to the western wall, the last remaining wall of the second temple that was built. Everything else was destroyed in around 70 AD, but we read in the, at the very end of the Old Testament about how the temple was rebuilt, and that part's still there. And they go to pray to God, but one of the things that they're praying when they go to pray is they are praying for the coming of their Messiah because they have all the Old Testament they're praying for the coming of the Messiah because Jews reject Jesus Christ as the Son of God. They don't accept that, that he is who he declared to be, that he is the, the Son of God that died for our sins. And we, as Christians, if you believe that what the Bible says who Jesus is, that he's the Son of God, we've seen Old Testament fulfilled, that Jesus did come, that John the Baptist did come, and now we're just here waiting for more things to come that God says to be true. And what I want us to ponder is how comforting it is for us as believers, how strong it can make us to realize that God's promises come true. And we're going to see later on as Jesus is tempted, and I know that we get tested and tempted we sometimes want to give up our faith or become discouraged, but how encouraged can we be amidst trials, amidst difficulties, knowing that we serve a God, that everything he says in his word, it actually comes true. We don't have to give up hope when others give up hope. When things get difficult, we don't have to give into the easy way. We can remain faithful because God's word remains true. How awesome is that? And I think something that's so cool as well about this story about John the Baptist is that even though Jesus is the son of God and he's God himself and needs nothing, our God is such a relational God who came to send Jesus to restore us to himself, the father, and to restore us to one another so we learn how to have peace and love the way that God wants us to and not all the fighting and problems that are in this world. God is such a relational God that he did not send the Messiah, the Savior, by himself. He sent someone before him to prepare the way, to make it easy, to get things ready for the coming of Jesus. Jesus wasn't alone. He had someone that came and broke the ice. And I want us to ponder on that too. Because while I know that none of us have a mission in our lives as great as Jesus... None of us are the Savior. I also know from the scripture that every single one of us here was born for a purpose and a reason. And God has given our lives uh, for something, some purpose he has for us. And I want you to think in your life right now, as you're trying to be faithful in your work, as a parent, in your marriage, and all the things in your life, who has God brought before you to help prepare things for you? to help make it a little easier for you. And how awesome is it to think about that, that our God is a God of relationship, that he works all things together that way, that Jesus wasn't alone, we're not alone. And I pause to get us pondering these things because I know that Satan wants us to think the opposite. No matter what you're going through right now, Satan wants to think you're alone. And Jesus wasn't alone, and you're not alone, and I'm not alone. 
Now in verse 4 and verse 5, we begin to see what it meant for John to prepare the way for Jesus. In verse 4, it says, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And everybody out in the country of Judea and all of Jerusalem went out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan. They were confessing their sins. We hear this term wilderness used again. And I love to be outside. I love, I love it all. I love the ranch life. I love gardening. I just, I just love being outside. It makes me feel the peace of God to see sunsets and to just get outside. It's so good. But we live in a fairly protected world where, you know, we have guns and we have houses and we, we have a lot of protection. If you just got dropped off in some, you know, safari jungle with no weapons, Bear grill style, right? Being out in the wilderness with no food, with no water, with no weapons, it may not feel as awesome. And a lot of times when the Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament refers to the wilderness, that's the picture it's trying to set. Because though right now we're fairly safe, we're fairly protected here, really in life there are a lot of threats that can come our way. The wilderness. And people were coming out in the wilderness and they were coming to the truth. They were coming to the life to be baptized. And this baptism that John was practicing, this new way of life, was a change of one's thinking towards sin and righteousness, a whole different change in a way of life towards sin and righteousness. They were called to repentance. We know from reading our Bible that God's people had strayed far from the heart of God because they got way too caught up in religion, in church, in, in the right appearances, in doing the right things, and they failed to be courageous in being humble and declaring their sinfulness and their brokenness and just saying, I need you, God. I need a heart after you. And church, it is hard for any of us to come to one another and admit the ugliness, the brokenness inside of us and, and our dependence and our need for God. And yet, that's the very thing that Jesus came to bring, to say there's only one Savior. And your religion is never going to save you. The only thing that's going to save you is being honest with me that you need me and I love you and I accept you as you are. And this was the mindset that John the Baptist was beginning to bring to the people to help them prepare their way for Jesus. And I want us to ponder that for a second. True story, church. I've been following God for most of my life and I struggle with that. I struggle sometimes with being real, even to my own wife, about how imperfect I am. Because it's, it's hard for others to look at you and think you're weak or you don't have it together. I think especially as a man, I try to have it together, to be strong. And there's nothing wrong with, with that type of gusto and trying to live our life that way. But the reality is, is that none of us here have it all and can't save ourselves. The Bible tells us we're meant to look to one and to be humble people that point others to one. And so is that your heart? Is that your repentance this morning? Or are you trying to do it on your own? Because it doesn't lead anywhere. It's something for us to ponder. As well, we see that this baptism was a different type of baptism. Verse 8, it says, I baptize you with water, but he, John the Baptist, referring to Jesus, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, meaning that John was leading people to begin to change their hearts 
to place all of their faith in Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, people were always saved by faith in God. They went through the sacrificial system. They went uh, through it saying, okay, God, I realize I'm not perfect and a, a sin offering is needed and I'm going to obey you because you can save us. But they didn't have the clear picture of the Messiah the way that we do today. And so John was preparing that change of heart, but we know that an ultimate change of heart, that, that when we change our heart and tell God, thank you for loving me, I need you, God, Please be Lord of my life that the Holy Spirit begins to live in us and tell us, eh, the way you're living, the things you're doing, that's not for you. That is not for you. I've got something better. I want to pull you this way. This is the purpose. This is the plans I've made you for. And so it was a different type of baptism. The subject of John's message was the one that was going to come after him. So verse 9, we begin to get in now to the baptism of Jesus Christ. We read there where it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. There's something sacred about these places. I've had the opportunity to travel to Israel, and many people who have already been baptized want to be baptized again, which kind of makes no sense, right? Because if you're baptized, you're baptized. But uh, what's also crazy is even as cool it is, because the Jordan River is a real place where Jesus really was baptized, when you see it and you're there, you're like, oh, that looks like the real Gand. I mean, it, it's really no different. It's a desert. It's a dry river. Some places you can walk across it. There's nothing that special about it. What makes it special was that the voice of God was there in this wilderness saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus was obeying his father. And so we see here in verse 9 that as Jesus was baptized, that this was a different type of baptism than the others that went before him. Jesus never sinned, so he wasn't confessing his sins and walking away from his sins. We knew he was God, perfect in the flesh. And it doesn't really tell us why he was baptized, but I could give you a few reasons why we could imagine he did it. One, it was simply an act of obedience, where it showed that he was submitting to God's plan for his life, like everyone else that was being baptized. It also helped him identify with the people he came to save, his fellowship his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters who had a sin problem in their nation and he was identifying with them and following in this step um, of the problem that he came to solve. And it also showed his dedication to the mission that God had before him. In many ways, this moment in the Gospel of Mark signifies the beginning of Jesus' stepping out of the preparatory phase and stepping into the ministry that God had for him in these three wild years of his life that we're going to be reading about in the chapters to come in the Gospel of Mark. And it's showing that he's accepting it. Because it was a hard, hard road that ultimately led to him giving his life up, even though he was perfect, giving his life up for us, dying on a cross. And this was a moment where he, he embraced that call. And so those are reasons why Jesus was baptized. And it tells us that the heavens opened up and a, and a voice came to him and said, you're my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The father saying those things to Jesus. And that a dove came and descended upon him the Holy Spirit. 
And what's interesting about that is we know from other gospels that Jesus came to baptize with fire, meaning that Jesus comes to you and to me and to this world and that world then to bring judgment because God will have nothing to do with my wickedness and my sin. And yet the spirit descends upon Jesus gently like a dove to remind us that God is a gentle God. He doesn't want any of us to be in that spot to perish. He wants all of us to have life, to turn to him, to walk away. And he's made a way for us out of darkness into the light by simply placing our trust and our belief in Jesus Christ. John heard, uh, saw this as well. He saw, we know from the gospel of John, verses 1, 32, and 34, that John saw the, the heavens being opened and he saw the dove come down. The only place we hear that anyone heard it, though, was this gospel that Jesus heard, this voice. We don't know if John heard it or not, but Jesus certainly heard that God the Father was well-pleased and loved him. And the way that that verb was written in the Greek was one that's timeless, past tense but timeless. In other words, God was saying to Jesus, God the Father was saying to Jesus the Son, my delight in you has no beginning and it has no end. I have always delighted in you. My son, like I mentioned, a little sick this week, and so even yesterday afternoon, he, he, we couldn't get him to take a nap, and so I just had to hold him, and he finally fell asleep on me. And, you know, as a dad... the. I just love my sons. I don't, it, you know, I don't even mind spending those hours holding him, caring for him. There's nothing that I wouldn't do for my boys. Now, when they do what's right, I'm way happier. I'm way happier when they make good choices. I'm not as happy when they make uh, dumb choices. But I know they're growing up, and they're not going to make perfect choices. And I never stop delighting them and just wanting to come alongside them. Think about I'm just telling you as a human dad. I am crazy about my sons. You the guys that are parents, think about how much you love your kids and the crazy things you do for them. And guys, let's just ponder here for a second. The father's delight in his perfect son that he sent to die for me, for you. Can you imagine the love, the timeless love that he has for us, wanting us to wake up and say, this world has nothing for me. I'm going to follow my dad who knows the way. Most of the time I know what I'm doing. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> but God the Father always knows the right direction. His words of life are always there for us here. Let's ponder that. That love that was over the Son that was affirmed to him. And then we wrap up this introduction, this preparation for Jesus. John the Baptist makes the way, starts preparing hearts. They're being baptized. Jesus himself walks into this ministry, is baptized himself. And then we're going to see that immediately Jesus walks into trials. It says here in verse 12, the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. Remember, think darkness and difficulty alone. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals. But the angels were there ministering to him. 
This links him to the prophets because the, the prophets were often out in the wilderness and being tested and prepared by God as well. But it shows also the spirit led Jesus on the offensive against sin and temptation. He wasn't passive waiting. He went out and actively through the spirit's empowerment and faced it. I love this word here for the temptation or the test that Jesus went through. This Greek word, perasso, it means to put someone or something through a trial to demonstrate its character. I can think of a diamond. You know, you, you sit out, most of us is a, the standard jewel that we buy when we get married one day and we go out and get the best one we can think of uh, to bring it to the woman we love. You know, examine it and ask questions about all the cut and the character and the clarity and all those crazy things. And then you just hope you don't lose it later on, right? It's a symbol of love. And Jesus was a perfect perfect stone, a perfect cornerstone to build up our faith, to build up the church. Perfect, tested in every way, without flaw, without ever giving in to sin and this temptation. And so Jesus was tested and it proves to us as his children, as his church, that he would never draw away from the Father's will and that he was worthy for the mission that he was to walk into as we're going to read through these gospels to give his life for us. And we can ponder today, we can ponder when we struggle with sin, that we don't have to dig ourselves up out of it. We don't have to crawl out of the cave. We don't have to fight our way out of it. We simply need to go to the feet of Jesus. Say, God, give me wisdom. God, give me hope. God, give me your righteousness. God, I'm scared because of the unrighteousness coming my way. I'm scared because of the unrighteous choices I've made. We do stupid stuff as people. We do stupid stuff and God says, I will wash you and make you white as snow. And when this church embraces the purity and the love that comes from repentance, we are never stronger than ever before because our declaration then is not in our might and not in our riches and not in our wealth, but it is in God himself. So church, what we need to know is that Jesus Christ is being revealed to the world. And like John the Baptist, we can be those that are making a way, revealing him to others. And Jesus Christ perfectly submitted to the Father. He perfectly submitted to the Father and he is our perfect Savior who never gave in to sin. And because he perfectly submitted, we can trust and obey and have him to show us the way that we can walk in righteousness so that we can reveal Jesus and trust God daily. I want to share this last thought in closing. I don't know all the ways and maybe you're struggling to walk in righteousness. But what I think is so cool because of the way I know in the 40 years that I've walked with God, that I know right now the Holy Spirit does. He knows my heart. He knows my victories. He knows my struggles right now. And he sees into your soul. And he knows it all. Whether it's challenges in your marriage, challenges in parenting, challenges in being faithful with your finances, challenges with addictions that you're, you're struggling with, or challenges with lust controlling you, or challenges with uh, being discouraged and becoming apathetic and wanting to escape life through food or television, 
challenges in your work, challenges in overwork, finding your identity too much and just going and going and going and never resting at the feet of Jesus or other things. Whatever it is in your soul that right now God's calling out to you saying, follow me, follow me, walk righteously in the wilderness. I am with you in all these things, in every relationship, in every endeavor. The Bible tells us that there is no trial or no temptation that is com- that, that, that we face, but those that are just common to man. And we have a Savior who has made a way out. God wants to build us up, build our heart up so that we're mature, so that even when we fail, we get stronger and we get stronger. And Luke 16, 10 tells us that whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. So whatever little you have this afternoon, for me, it's going and trying to be the best dad I can, the best husband the rest of this day, trying to get a good night's rest tonight. Jesus, help me. Trying to be faithful in this church tomorrow to serve. Even the small things, church, the small ways, stepping out of here and saying, I'm gonna live to be a blessing to others. I'm gonna live to walk in the empowerment of Jesus Christ. Let us go out with boldness because we have a savior that we can depend on. Would you pray with me, church? Oh, dear Lord, we thank you so much for your words of life. God, we thank you that we can come and remember life, remember the way because you've shown it to us through your word. Help us to be strong. Help us to walk away from sin and help us to walk into righteousness that we would bring you glory and that our joy would be like yours. That we would just delight in you, being your children. And everybody in grace said, amen. Let's continue to worship.